Welcome in. We're glad you're joining us for the latest edition of the Delaware Bible Cast, a podcast ministry from Delaware Bible Church. In previous podcast episodes, we've shared sermons and biblical teaching from different events throughout the various Delaware Bible Church ministries. Until now, though, one thing that we haven't done is share any lessons shared during chapel from our largest ministry, Delaware Christian School. On October the 5th, 2022, DBC Elder and School Board Chairman Bart Hughes shared a message to the middle school and high school students at chapel time titled, Wise Versus Unwise, Wisdom in the Christian Life. Today, we'll listen in to Bart's message, which I know will be a blessing and encouragement to you regardless of your age, as this message is filled with many solid, biblical, and practical applications for us to take from. Let's listen in. So I have a question for you to start off with. Have you ever been searching for an answer? I mean, not an answer to a homework question, but an answer to a life question. Well, today what I'm gonna share with you has been called the question that answers just about everything. Now, I have to warn you that this is kind of a a conglomeration of many teachings that I've heard over the years, and maybe a few of my own thoughts sprinkled in, but mostly it comes from two lessons from uh, a church in Georgia called North Point. As Pastor Aaron mentioned, uh, my wife and I attend Delaware Bible. We've been married for 34 years. We have two grown daughters who attended DCS from kindergarten through 12th grade. And we have three grandchildren. The third will arrive in February. So as you can see from the slide, we're going to be talking about wise versus unwise and how wisdom applies to the Christian life. Oh my goodness, how did that get in there? Well, never give a grandpa an opportunity to show a picture of their grandkids. So anyway, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be starting in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17. And I am going to put it on the screen and read it for you. So follow along either on the screen or in your Bible. These verses say, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we're going to go through each one of those three verses kind of phrase by phrase and talk about them a little bit before we, uh, as we get started. So verse 15, look carefully then how you walk. While I admit it is important to watch where you're putting your feet, you know, as you're actually walking, because you don't want to trip over something, the Bible uses the idea of walk as a metaphor, and it's a metaphor for life. So we could say in this case, walk equals life. So Paul's talking about how you live your life. Look carefully, then, how you live your life would be a fair paraphrase. Moving on, the second half of that is not as unwise, but as wise. 
And what does it mean to be wise or to exercise wisdom? And what is wisdom? And are wisdom and knowledge the same things or are they different? Well, I think it's important to uh, take a break from our verse here. We're just on the first one, but let's go define a few terms. Knowledge, simply put, is information gained. Much of what you do as students here at DCS is gaining information. You study history, you study math, you study literature. You're gaining information. Wisdom is different than that. Wisdom is action based on knowledge or acting based on knowledge. So a simple illustration might be that knowledge understands that the light has turned red. Wisdom applies the brakes. So wisdom is that action based on knowledge. But you know, if we're thinking biblically, that isn't even enough. We, we have to go a little deeper because the Bible makes clear that there's two types of wisdom. So we need to break wisdom down a little further. Biblically speaking, there's worldly wisdom and there's godly wisdom. Godly wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord and it results in a holy life. Godly wisdom prepares us for eternity. Worldly wisdom, on the other hand, is not concerned at all with honoring God. It's concerned with pleasing self. With worldly wisdom, we may become educated, we may have street smarts, we may have common sense. All those things enable the worldly wise person to play the world's game successfully. But with godly wisdom, we're trading earthly values for biblical values. So when the Bible's talking about wisdom, in this case, it's talking about godly wisdom. So there's many ways to define godly wisdom. I mean, what does that mean? But we'll use this definition for our purposes today. <clears throat> Excuse me, today. Striving to see life from God's perspective and acting accordingly. Striving to see life from God's perspective and acting accordingly. Okay, now we can jump back to our verse. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Paul is telling the Ephesians, and by extension, us, to exercise godly wisdom as you live your life. The next part of this verse, or jumping down to verse 16, make the best use of the time. You know, each one of us has a limited amount of time. We don't know how much time we have, but we know that it's limited. Paul, very simply here, is just saying, don't waste the time that you have. The second half of verse 16, because the days are evil. You know, we look around our world today and think that the evil that we see going on is something new. The Apostle Paul would say otherwise. Back then, first century, 
same as now, if you pick your feet up and let the current of culture take you, it's going to take you someplace you don't want to be. Verse 17 starts off the first phrase, Therefore do not be foolish. And who knows the, the question that you ask whenever you see a therefore in the Scripture? Does anybody know? The question is, what's the therefore therefore? Why is it there? It's, it's, uh, it's kind of a summary term. Well, in this case, chapter 5, up to this point, Paul's been telling the Ephesians things that they should avoid. Here he summarizes all of those under the heading of foolish and tells them not to be foolish. And the second half of 17 says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Here there's a contrast between foolish and facing up to what the will of the Lord is. Because we know the will of the Lord, one thing we could say about it is it's not going to be foolish. A lot of ink has been spilled on the topic of the will of the Lord, but for our purposes today, we're going to keep it really simple, and we're going to say that the will of the Lord is what's right. The will of the Lord is what's right. So we could paraphrase that, don't be foolish, but understand what's right. Okay, so we're looking at all three of those to get some context, but we're primarily going to spend our time on verse 15. We're going to focus on the idea of looking carefully and being wise. Well, okay, great. You might ask, how exactly do I do that? How do I look carefully and be wise? Well, I'm glad you asked. My prayer has been and is that what I share today will be a tool, something that uh, will help you accomplish just that. Hopefully you can put this tool into your tool belt for life and make use of it for many years to come. I call this AAA as a way to remember the first three letters. Maybe you could think of uh, the AAA battery as a way to help you remember it. Every time you're going through the checkout at the grocery store and you look over and you see that rack of batteries and you see the AAA batteries, maybe that'll jog something in your memory and you'll remember this little uh, tool that we're talking about today. There's three steps to using the tool effectively. The first step is ask. That's the first A. Answer, that's the second A, and act. Ask, answer, act. In fact, why don't you say that with me? Let's just say those three words. Ask, answer, act. Great, thank you. You're gonna ask this question, you're gonna get the answer, and then you're gonna act on the answer. I'm encouraging you to ask this question for the rest of your life at every stage of your life. Ask this question at every invitation, every opportunity, every decision. Correctly used, this question, this tool, will save you time, money, and tears. 
All right already. What's the question you're probably asking? The question we're going to ask is this. It's actually very simple. What is the wise thing for me to do? Let's say that too. What is the wise thing for me to do? Note that we're talk not talking about choosing between sinning and not sinning. Whenever you have that choice before you, may I encourage you to always choose the not sinning option. We're talking about choices that are not prohibited or mandated in Scripture. We're talking about areas of wisdom. Because God has written His law in our hearts, saved or unsaved, you know the difference between right and wrong most of the time. But you know, when we're making choices, when decisions need to be made and we're deciding what to do, the easiest person in the world for you to deceive is you. And the easiest person for you to get into trouble is you. It's important to know what the wise thing to do is. You know, believe it or not, and you may not at your age, which is great, but everybody has regrets in life. But I can tell you, even if you don't have regrets yet, that your biggest regret will happen because of a series of unwise decisions. To double-check me on this, ask your parents. Ask your teachers. Ask your D-group leaders after we get finished. Everybody has regrets, and if they can identify one of those regrets, chances are they can trace that regret to a series of unwise decisions. They might be small regrets, they might be big regrets. Now, we're gonna expand the question a little bit, and we're gonna come at it from three different directions. The first direction, the first angle is this. In light of my past experience, what's the wise thing for me to do? Because you know, your past is not the same as my past. And what may be completely fine for you to do might not be okay for me to do because of my past. Same with your friends or the person sitting next to you. Notice we're not asking the question, what's legal? This is way better than asking what's legal. And we're not asking, well, what can I get away with? This is way better than that. The next angle, the next direction we're going to come at this question is in light of my current circumstances. In light of my current circumstances, what is the wise thing for me to do? What's happening right now in your life? Maybe you just started attending a new school. Maybe you started a job. Maybe you just failed an exam. Going to a concert or the movies or the mall, that isn't a bad thing. But since there's another test tomorrow and you really need to study, what would the wise thing be for you to do? The next angle, the next direction we're going to look at this question is in light of my future hopes and dreams. 
What's the wise thing for me to do? Did you know that where you're going to be vocationally in the future depends on wise decisions that you make today? Where you'll be in your faith walk in the future depends on wise decisions today. Making decisions today based on the future is a wise thing to do. And the decisions won't be the same for everybody. They don't share your hopes and dreams. Trust me when I say nobody plans to mess up their lives. They just don't plan not to. No one gets married looking forward to a divorce. No one starts a business looking forward to a bankruptcy. No one takes their first drink of alcohol looking forward to being an alcoholic. This question is one way that you can plan not to. So we're going to put all of our three angles, our three facets together, and come up with one combined question. And when I put it up on the screen, we're going to read it all together. That way I know you're not asleep, because I'll hear your voices. Ready? Here we go. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Ask this question at every invitation, every opportunity, every decision. You owe it to yourself to ask the question, even if you don't act on it. But I do have to warn you, if you ask the question, the answer you get it's going to sound a lot like what your parents tell you, right? Now, if you resist asking, if you don't want to know what the wise thing is, you've just learned something about yourself. You've learned that you don't have your own best interest in mind. Because why would you not want to do the wise thing? Now, also biblically, I have to share with you that if you, if you stiff-arm wisdom, if you say no to wisdom, you need to know that, that by doing that, you're, you're backing into something else. And that something else is the alternatives to wisdom that we're going to talk about. Now, they are sprinkled throughout the Bible. You can get this, um, you can see this theme, but it's really concentrated in the book of Proverbs. So that's where we're going to spend just a little bit of time now. Proverbs is part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. So shout it out. Who wrote most of the book of Proverbs? Solomon. Solomon. Yep, good job. Wisest man ever to live, supernaturally given wisdom by God. And if you look at the beginning of Proverbs, you'll see that the format is a father sharing wisdom with his young son. Now, as you read through Proverbs, you do have to keep in mind that Proverbs are not promises. Proverbs describe what is generally true in life. And according to Solomon, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, there are four types of people. There's the, there's the wise, the person that exercises wisdom, and then there are three other options. And we're going to look at each one of these options briefly. Spending the most time on option one, so don't panic when it seems a little longer than the other ones. 
But I have to start off with a warning. And here's the warning. This might seem offensive. It isn't intended to be offensive, so please stick with me to the end. But the first one we're going to talk about, Solomon describes as the simple person. The simple person. And here's some characteristics of the simple person. We might say they're naive. We might say clueless. Now please know, sometimes in our culture today, simple might be used to describe somebody who's not very intelligent. But that's not the biblical definition of the word, right? That's not what this means biblically. We're not talking about not smart, but we are talking about lacking life experience. If you're here today and you're under 22 years old or so, this describes you. It's not a bad thing. It's just an is thing. Everybody ever born has passed through the stage of life where they don't have life experience yet. The key is to not stay here your whole life. And we'll talk about that. Here are some responses that a simple person has when they're confronted with wisdom. See if you've ever uttered any of these phrases, maybe to your parents. Nothing's going to happen. You ever said that? See, the simple person can't see into the future. The wise person has life experience. They can't predict the future, but they can, they can look into the future. And the simple person can't guarantee what's going to happen, but they just blindly think, nothing's going to happen, it's fine. How about this one? I can handle it. Have you repeated that one yet? You probably, well, you might. Hopefully not, but you might. The wise person, in this case probably the parent, in their mind is thinking, well, you know, when I was your age, I didn't handle it very well. Or maybe when your older brother or your older sister was your age, they didn't handle it very well. Or just being uh, aware and saying, you know, the world is full of people who didn't handle it very well, and now they're living with the consequences. And the last one, how about this one? You're just overreacting. Have you ever said that? It is a parent's job to anticipate the future. And if you're here as a student, you lack life experience. Again, not a bad thing. It's just a thing. You've never faced serious consequences. You've never been in debt to the point that you're not sure you're going to be able to pay your rent next month or buy food. You've never had your heart broken. I mean to the point that you might never trust another person again. You've never been addicted to anything. You've never been any of these places, and we don't want you to be there. But if you're a student and you're here, I have good news for you. 
you can have something that the rest of us, your teachers, me, can't have. You can have something that we can't have. You can have all the benefits of youth and wisdom at the same time. I mean, the benefits of youth, wow. I mean, you've got all that energy. I don't know where you get it all, but you've got energy. You have your whole life ahead of you. You have parents, grandparents, others in your life that are looking out for you. You know, once you become an adult and you get out on your own, a lot of times you're on your own. The School of Hard Knocks is a really good teacher, but you don't have to learn everything the hard way. Seek wisdom. You have to seek it because without life experience, it doesn't come naturally to you. Now, seeking wisdom is done in a couple of different ways. The first way is you ask God for wisdom. James 1, 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Second, you talk to your parents. You talk with your teacher, your d-group leader, a pastor, someone in your life with life experience and... It's a very important and, and a track record of wisdom. Just because somebody has gray hair like me, they have life experience, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're wise. So you need to seek somebody out who has life experience and a track record of wisdom. When you ask the question, what is the wise thing for me to do, they can help you get the right answer. Last word. I told you the first one was going to be longer. Last word on the simple. Use the tool and ask the question. Ask, answer, act. You'll need help getting the correct answer at times. But that's okay. The next option we're going to talk about, option two, Solomon labels as the fool. The theme phrase for the fool is, I know. A fool knows the difference between right and wrong. They just don't care. A fool even knows the consequences of doing wrong. They just don't care. Here's a, a theoretical conversation, hypothetical conversation between a wise person and a fool. Ready? Wise person says, last time you tried that, it didn't go so well. And the fool says, I know. And the wise person says, and you're, you're going to do it again anyway? And the fool says, yeah, I am. It'll be fun. Proverbs 26, 11, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Any visual people in here? Can you kind of get that picture in your mind? The fool says, it's my life. I can do what I want. It's my time. I can do what I want. I'm not hurting anybody else. But that's just not true. Your foolishness 
if this is you, has blinded you to your selfishness. Now, the one interesting aspect to, this, uh, to the category of a fool is that it can affect just a single area of your life. Being a fool doesn't mean that everything you do is foolish. You may be wise over here, over here, over here. Here's the test. If you have an area of your life where you say to yourself, I know this is wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway, Solomon would say, in that area of your life, you're a fool. Proverbs 13.20, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see, eventually the fool will hurt somebody else, maybe many somebodies. This, by the way, is why your parents are interested in who your friends are. Because notice what the verse says. It's the companion of a fool who suffers harm. If you're hanging around somebody who's acting foolishly, you may be the one that gets hurt. And if they don't care about themselves, why would they be concerned about you? Well, now we're going to talk just briefly about the cure before we go to our third option. The cure, eventually, the simple and the fool will need wisdom. And the cure for the simple person is time. Generally speaking, you grow up. And as you grow up and as you mature, you gain wisdom. Maybe it's by asking God. Maybe it's by asking your parents. Maybe it's from the school of hard knocks. But one way or another, typically speaking, as you grow up, you gain life experience and you gain some wisdom. The cure for the fool, unfortunately, is tragedy. The foolishness of the fool will result in something happening that shocks them into reality, and they're going to realize that they need wisdom. But unfortunately, there's usually a wake of destruction behind them. Now, the last option we're going to talk about, uh, Solomon describes as the mocker or the scoffer, depending on your translation. This is the fool on steroids. This is like the next level of the fool. This is the person who makes fun of the people who are trying to do the right thing. The mocker might say, oh, so you're going to go to youth group tonight. Oh, well, isn't that nice? That's so sweet. I hope you have a good time. The mocker is always critical. They're condescending. They're controlling. You're always just a little bit off balance if you're around a mocker. Hopefully you haven't experienced this. But if you ever do, you're, they just keep you off balance. They always act like they're the smartest person in the room. And usually they're not. But they just keep you off balance. They control the conversation. They're criticizing. It's just not a fun person to be around. If you try to correct the mocker, it won't go well for you. Proverbs 
uh, 9.7 says, whoever corrects a scoffer or mocker gets himself abuse. So as we, uh, as we finish up, we're going to talk about how these four different types of people respond to correction. If you correct a simple person, they won't get you. Huh? What? What do you mean? If you correct a fool, they're going to ignore you. I know. I know. If you correct a mocker, as we just discussed, they will hate you. And if you read on in Proverbs 9, it goes on to say that if you correct the wise, they will love you. So my question for you is, how do you respond to correction? This might be a good uh, filter to filter that through. So back to our verse that we started with. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Exercise godly wisdom as you live your life. Add the tool, ask the question, get the answer, act on the answer. Do this at every invitation, every opportunity, every decision. Ask God for wisdom. Turn the question into a prayer. Dear Lord, in light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do? Amen. It could be that simple. Ask a trusted adult with a proven track record of wisdom. Make the most of the time that you have right now and enjoy all the benefits of youth and wisdom. Join me as we close in prayer. Heavenly Father, may all of us here today strive to see life from your perspective and act accordingly. Amen.